Star, Charlotte community. How you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thanks for tuning back in. This week we have Dave Butler, and Dave and I met in August. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, we already did a story um, about him on this series, but I went back and listened to the conversation. I really wanted to make that part of the podcast just because what that conversation meant to me and just the, um, the information and the things you learn from Dave with the things that he has done in Charlotte. And he immediately shows us the kind of man he is and how lucky we are to have him as part of our community. And uh, he is such a great individual and it, uh, it meant a lot to have him take the time to meet me and, and just chat. And I think it was such a great conversation um, so Dave, thank you again. Uh, Dave is currently, um, showcasing some of his art at Elder Gallery. It is, um, in South Charlotte on, uh, South Tryon street and, uh, his work will be showcased until February 13th. Um, so you can call for hours and availability, uh, if you want to purchase some of his work, uh, or just to go look at it, highly recommend it. Um, I'll try my best to get down there too. So. Um, yeah, with that being said, enjoy the conversation, enjoy the interview. Dave, thanks again. Hope all is well, uh, and we'll see you guys next time. Take care. Good. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, so man, I'm going to just open up and just ask how, how you're doing. Yeah, man, I think uh, overall I'm, I'm well. I'm uh, just kind of super focused at this point. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the work that I do is um, not really necessarily in, but it's centered around community. You know what I mean? What I do professionally, um, the companies that I own, everything centered around just, you know, providing opportunity and creating, bridging gaps and creating space for people who look like me and people who are into the things that I'm into and just connecting the dots between, you know, business and government and, um, you know, creativity and creatives and artists. So it's kind of this matrix of a, of a thing. So for me, like, whenever we have stuff that we're dealing with, whether it is stuff like the coronavirus or whether it is, you know, you know, a, a flash in the Black Lives Matter movement um, or, a, you know, a rise in interest in it, it's, um, I've been able to remain kind of like level through it because I'm in the space all the time. Right. You know what I mean? So um, if anything, it just kind of like heightens my, um, it just gives me more energy to get the work done that I'm already doing, but also just from an environmental perspective, it's unfortunate, but it creates a lot of space for a lot more work to get done mm-hmm. because there's a lot of eyeballs around it. Yeah. So, you know, staying, just staying even keel and focused on the opportunity and continuing to bridge those gaps because more doors are open to right. do so overall. Um, so, I mean, just in a, in a general space, I would say that like, yeah, I'm just like super focused and super fired up and Hell yeah. being able to take on um, whatever, like the right opportunities that present themselves. Mm-hmm. So at this point in time, it's just about being vigilant and being able to work with the right people who are doing stuff for the right reasons. Right. Now, what's your uh, your main project that you have? I know you're with the Hugh House. Yep. yep. Is that your main yeah, company? So, or? Yeah, yeah. So 9 to 5, I work for a company called the Whitaker Group. So okay. it's a retail company um, based here in Charlotte, black-owned, uh, largest boutique retailer in the country as far as like sneakers, men's nice. contemporary fashion, yeah, luxury. Yeah. Um, we have like four different store brands that we represent um, and we have about 20 stores in about 15 cities across the country and I do community engagement for them 
So that's kind of like my full-time nine to five. And then um, outside of work, uh, doing three things outside of work, Hugh House, um, which is a creative agency with a nonprofit arm that focuses on um, creating opportunity for artists and creators of color and, and creative business owners of color, entrepreneurs of color. Um, and then um, I have a company called AWOL, which is now known, we're kind of rebranding into proper context, but uh, my business partner for that is out of New York. And um, that focuses on like education reform. And then um, I'm an artist, um, photographer, artist, designer, make clothes, just kind of do a little bit of everything under, underneath my own kind of private consultancy and whatever kind of gigs come up, yeah, you yeah. know, marketing, photo, video wise, just have like an LLC just to be able to do whatever comes up. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Good. Have you seen any impact with coronavirus for any four of those yeah so i mean like i said good um, or bad yeah no you'll say like i said it's created a lot of opportunity um like so the interesting thing about with the work for hugh house is um if you're already disconnected from a community the digital divide just makes it that much more of a disconnect mm. so there's that much more of a need for our services um and then i mean as far as like what i'm doing like retail wise like with the whitaker group we've had to pivot quite a bit um, we're getting to a space now where we're, we um, we have co- some community spaces and we use community brands that are extension of our retail brand. And um, one of them being here, like the store we have in on um, Central Avenue with social status has a Be Social in the back of it. And we were doing about 15 events a month oh, wow. out of that space. Um, so once COVID hit, we obviously had to shut oh, everything yeah, yeah. down and now we're pivoting to moving that online. Um, but with our other community brands, APBU and Hand Wash Cold, we've been able to um, focus on branding those in the digital space as well. So it's kind of created an opportunity. It's always about the, about the reframe, man. Yeah, like, you're right. You know, you can be stuck on the way things were, or right. you can innovate, you know, while the opportunity presents itself. And mm-hmm. once we get back in person, we'll have our digital stuff all the way worked yeah, out. Right, and then right. you just fold it right back yeah, in. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, overall, just trying to stay optimistic during this time. That's great. And it doesn't sound like it's, you know, there's no really hesitation. Have you, did it ever feel like there was any concern or? Yeah, I mean, definitely initially you don't know what's going to happen, right? And right. you have to take that time where like you're shutting down your offices, you're shutting down warehouses, you're doing this, that, and the third, and you're sending people home, you're putting people on unemployment. Like luckily we were blessed enough not to have to like furlough anybody or lay anybody off. Good. Um, you know what I mean? So everybody's been able to like slowly come back on as needed and as necessary. Um, so that's been solid. Um, but I mean, there's, there was definitely like that first uncertainty, like early March when everything first shut down, nobody knows what's going on. You know, a good bit of us have never applied for unemployment before, not knowing how it works. And then you right, got like, you right. know what I mean? Just so you, you couldn't get it. Yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? If you said some people I'm sure probably had like certain situations, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, um, it was definitely a little bit of uncertainty and you want to make sure that your teams are good and the people that you work with and that you love are good. Um, and then there's just like the, the, the overall, like mindset of like changing how you interact with the world like we're both having a conversation with mask on right, right now which is like just new <laughs> yeah you know what i'm saying yeah. so yeah um yeah man it, it, it's it's a there's a little bit of anxiety there just naturally just off, off like i guess the human mm-hmm. portion of it right but um you know like i said again being that been it's just been a blessing to not have experienced what i know some people are experiencing during this time yeah and um again like the, the work feeds back to being able to help those people so you just stay focused and right. do your part right it's also i mean it at, at first it was sad you know see, it, it still is but mm-hmm. at, you kind of have to flip that switch so at some yeah. point and yeah. you know for me like i'm excited for certain things like i work in retail as well mm-hmm. and uh you know we open then we close again so like now i'm trying to you know photography is my main passion so right. 
you kind of have to figure out how you can get excited mm-hmm. and how you can fix and do what you love to do in a, a new normal way. Uh, and I think that's, I don't know. It sounds like you guys are super uh, on board with, with the changes and all understand that it's not something that's in your control and yeah, you're making uh, the best of it. A hundred percent, man. And that's all you can do. Like, and there's, I mean, you deal with, like it, it piles on, right? Like you go from like, okay, now we're in a new space with life. And right. then, like, you see something happen like George Floyd, and then the entire right. world is on is on the edge. Right. And then it causes this kind of, like, other element of, like, they're being, like, for some reason, well, I, I have my theories on, like, why. Mm-hmm. But, like, now there's just, like, a, a really big awakening in, like, certain consciousnesses. And, like, yeah. you know, it feels like a, a large number of white people are actually starting to pay attention now right so now you have all these efforts and changes to do such things and corporations are moving dollars around Mm -hmm. so it's it's adjusting to a landscape and then having to adjust to another landscape and still trying to fill everything out right um because again like you have you know situations like amelie's locally where yeah you know people are getting called out for not 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 being thorough right not doing what they're supposed to do properly and not not understanding what allyship actually looks like and stuff Mm -hmm. like that um so it's navigating those waters really that's that's really it's, it's all that's new for everybody right, right. so right. there's a lot of education there's a yep. lot of conversation there's a lot of things you know people doing things wrong a lot of things, people people doing things right um and it's just all happening at once right. you know what i mean it's like this mass kind of like shift right you know what i mean and, and culture globally right and we're all feeling the effects of it you know what i mean from whether it is the coronavirus or again people paying attention to the treatment of black people it's mm-hmm. It's it's a, it's all new. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it seems to be yeah. globally. Even though like you know certain people have been like saying this for years, it's like okay now the light bulb actually yep. came on and the flips the switch was flipped. Right. And now it's like okay how do we make the how do we make the most of the opportunity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So I want to switch to that. So um, I I was consuming through your um, uh, Instagram live videos, mm-hmm. and you said something that is kind of like been on my mind since everything has been happening. Mm-hmm. And you said education and getting people on the same page is extremely important when you want to take action on social and political movements. Mm-hmm. And I, I immediately had to pause that and rewind it to get that right because that's what, that's another reason why I'm doing this too, right? right. And, you know, I've had so many great conversations of, of understanding the issue that I was really not aware of. I was aware of, but I really didn't take the time to understand why Mm -hmm. the treatment of black people is such a problem and how big of an issue it is everywhere Mm -hmm. um and it it, i i i'll I'll hold myself accountable i I, that's stuff i shy away from Mm -hmm. you know it's like yeah i get it like you know i i hate seeing it but like i never pushed myself to have that conversation and to really understand the whys behind it and the true fear mm-hmm. that black people have against law enforcement and like it's uh i just i really think it is powerful when so many people come together and want to learn mm-hmm. not just i'm here to listen but like you actually want to understand what the problem is and what you can do right to help and that's the, the second portion of it is the, is the most important part right it's once you take ownership and personal accountability for like, okay, this is my problem too. Mm-hmm. Like now you're actually, now that's what progress looks like. Right. Because now we're actively working to, you know, unlearn, we're actively working to dismantle systems. We're actually, we're, act, we're actually looking at our, inter, our, our implicit biases and, um, 
you know, creating space to uh, to be able to make those changes, right? And it's hard, it's weird, it's awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, there has to be space for it, right? Because um, again, like, yes, we, yes, black people, we have a, a role in making sure that, you know what I'm saying, we're treated right, but it's like, we didn't build this. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's not necessarily right. um, our full responsibility to dismantle it, nor do we have the access or the ability from a power perspective to dismantle it, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to make sure that we're informing people to do the right type of work. You know right. what I mean? Um, which is why I'm excited to see what people like Garrett are doing, like forcing his understanding, like the context that he exists in yeah. and forcing everybody around him who's going to interact with him to have to deal with these things. Like, and integrating it into, again, natural things that he was already doing. Like the fact that he was baking every Sunday yeah. and then he just like was like, well, we're just going to add knowledge at the bottom of yep. it and you guys can still get your pie, but you're going <laughs> to get this knowledge too. So, you know what I mean? Like, those yeah. are the little things that, like, I mean, and it, it's cool, and, you know, we, we're laughing about it, but it's like, no, that's literally the change. Like, right. it's like, it has to be a part of your everyday yep. life. It, it has to be a part of your consciousness. You have to pay attention to it. You have yep. to be able to call those things out. Um, because I, in my philosophy, in terms of, like, how I approach the community stuff um, at work, it's like, this is all one-to-one work. It's all these types of conversations, mm-hmm. and then, like, giving people the knowledge and understanding, you know, the power that they have to actually make the change. Right. And understanding that again, like this is our this is our issue. Like I was listening, what was I listening to? Um, I was I just finished reading a book, Decolonizing Wealth, by um, Edgar Villanueva. Okay. And it, it's basically it talks about the philanthropic sector, and um, he's a Lumbee Indian from North Carolina, um, and he uses his um, experiences as a native and working in, philan- in philanthropy um, to say how we can essentially use money as healing and kind of um, take the philanthropic sector and reconstruct it to actually use the money to heal our communities, you know what I mean, properly and, re- and decolonizing and breaking down these structures that have been built off of like stolen wealth right. and whatnot. And it ends and it ends with a quote, and I forgot where he got the quote from, but he talks about how to reject the humanity in someone else is to reject the humanity in yourself. So, you know what I mean, for me to treat you wrong, I have to acknowledge that I'm fucked up too. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, yeah. it takes a fucked up person to treat yeah. another human That's poorly. Right. So, like, um, yeah, man, it's it's just Damn. again, it, that's the that's the work that has to be done. It has to be a level of um, humanizing and everybody understanding the human nuanced layers and being open to making those changes and open to things actually um, being made equitable, not even just equal, right? Like right. equitable, like restoring what has been done. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like literally saying like we this used to be a black neighborhood right like literally this like black people used to live here we've removed them from this environment this very space that we're sitting on right now mm-hmm. how do we do the work to bring them back right. Right. <laughs> you know what i mean mm-hmm. how do we do to work to make sure that they can live here and that it is affordable and that there are jobs like because there was thriving community here right you know what i mean that was that was systematically taken away so um yeah man that's that's how I approach it and understanding that like it's a long game mm-hmm. and it takes one person at a time, one conversation at a time. But to your point about the quote, it's like being able to give proper context to that, to understand that like it's great that you feel good that you're learning and doing this on the third. But also this is how I need you to vote. Right. You know what I'm saying this November yep. or next November, right? right? City yep. Council. Yep. Like these are the things that we need to actually do and these right. are the ways that we need to start holding these leaders accountable. Right. And um not necessarily even say if it's if this is voting for one person or the other, but like this is how this is the issues I need you to take into consideration when you're considering your candidate mm-hmm. if you're going to include this as a part of your purview, because for you to to um, to stand with me, you know, in the street, you know, what I'm saying with the police, 
but then to go in the booth and do something that's contrary to you know what actually helps me out right doesn't it, right. we're not completing the circle right we haven't all complete, that just goes away exactly yeah you you're, you're, you just did all that yeah. for nothing or you did all that to be performative right which is like a whole nother conversation about yeah. how charlotte likes to exist right right so yeah. um yeah man has anything with uh like with everything that happened with george floyd and all the protests that popped up is that did it give you a new perspective on how you approach the change or was it always something no nah, so i mean i have a very unique perspective because i worked in uh in my work in college i was a uh, student body president so okay. i did student government three out of four years at a public institution so i was very exposed to how state politics affected um affected how we were able to move as like the unc system right and um, I got to see how funding was moved around for historically black colleges versus like majority institutions and even smaller white colleges as well. Right. Um, so I have a kind of a different perspective on, um, you know, how municipal government works, how state government works and how to really connect those dots into um, moving people forward. Mm -hmm. And um, because of those experiences. So for me, I've always known what the solution is um, for at least from my from my perspective. But again, it's how do you institutionalize it? How do you systemize it? How do you get it to maintain beyond the protest? And that takes a lot of conversation. That's yeah. a lot of organization. That's a lot of like, you know, allowing people to have burnout because yeah. there are people in the organizing space that like, you know, people that like actually organizing the protests and things like right. that. Like that's not necessarily my space. But once everything calms down, like, again, I had the perspective of like, okay, cool. How do we do? How do we deal with this in November? How do we look at our city elections mm -hmm. and figure out how to look at our county elections like that's the kind of stuff i'm worried about Got it. and I'm, I'm thinking about how do we leverage these moments to recruit more people to flow into like how do we create a pipeline to be able to download that political education into folks to be able to download that municipal education into folks to understand that like okay the protest is cool it's, it's cool to have attention mm -hmm. it's cool it, it plays its part but now we need the other links in the chain to actually complete the change and that's normally where my focus is so i haven't really um, I was super emotionally charged uh, in 2016 with um, with uh, Keep My Scott mm -hmm. and Jonathan Farrell. Um, and Jonathan Farrell really hit me personally just because um, I kind of saw myself in him. Like he's a uh, you know, young black dude, was going to school, went to, he was a FAMU grad or was attending FAMU at the time. Like um, I saw a lot of myself in him. So to see that he was gunned down by someone who was supposed to help him and he was in a time of need based off of the perception of like the false information of someone else who has a bad perception or doesn't have like the right perception on you know his skin color or his stature or his size or just the situation as a whole um really struck me because it didn't have nothing really to do with him like you know what i'm saying he got in a car wreck right and knocked on somebody's door for help right and they assumed because of you know the way he looked that he was an intruder or he was trying to um you know cause harm to them which is um like that has nothing to do with him. Like right. <laughs> that person's imp implicit bias has nothing to do with yeah. him. And then the fact that like that chain of events and that reaction ended in his death is like something that is very, very sobering. And it's like, it could literally have not shit to do with you mm -hmm. and it could end that way. Yep. And that's fucking scary. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that is like, at that point, it's like, we don't have the, any identifiers. There's nothing police don't pull up their gun there's actually an anime i forgot what it's called but um it's on hulu okay. but there's a um the police have these guns and they i think it might be called psychopaths 
they have the guns and the guns themselves can determine whether the person is like actually a criminal or not. So it determines the level of force that the police officers are able to do based strictly off of the like reading of the gun. Um, so it's like it could be lethal, it could be non-lethal, or it won't allow the officer to mm-hmm. fire at all. And it's like, we don't have even, even that's a buffer, right? right like in right, theory, right. Like, but we don't have anything like that. There's nothing that says like, no, he's a college student. Yep. Like there's nothing that says like, oh no, he's an upstanding citizen. Or oh, no, yep. he's actually scared. None of that exists. Right. And um, to know that those circumstances could result in someone's death is like very fucking scary as a black person. And um, yeah, man, so that's, that's constantly like, I guess like, the reality that we have to live with mm-hmm. and um scary yeah no it's, it's constantly the reality we have to live with and it's constantly like the motivating factor to get people to humanize black people you know what i'm just saying like um i'm trying to relate it back to your to your question i think i just kind of went on a tangent but oh no you're you're good um yeah man like that's uh what was the question if you saw anything uh yourself that's different oh yeah yeah, no, yeah so like knowing that those that those are the circumstances that we're dealing with it's like the, the the for me since then since being emotionally charged and um you know being frustrated and trying to figure out like what am i supposed to do but i know that like i'm not gonna protest mm-hmm. like it's been like okay cool we're just gonna we're gonna do this we're gonna use our innate, innate talents and our innate abilities and our experiences to be able to do work in our hometown to change um you know what we don't like to yeah. be the change we want to see essentially you know what i mean that yeah. cliche goes love that any uh any personal goals coming out of coronavirus or anything man i'm just uh really just um yeah staying focused it's been for me it's been a five this is a, the cap of like a five-year journey and like a lot of transition um this has been um you know i left i worked i came out of school working for coke consolidated okay i did supply chain for a year and a half and then i jumped into the world of retail and running my own business like photography videos yeah, graphic yeah. design whatever whatever so for me um and and having things like seeing the success of hugh house and seeing um and, and and coming and being into a position or a job um quote unquote that i'm passionate about and that you know the work i mean, is exactly aligned with what i what my skill set is and all those things like it's been five years of like ripping and running and bumping my head up yeah, against the wall yeah. and trying to break through glass ceilings and doing this that and the third yeah so now i'm kind of getting to the point where it's like okay cool i feel like i'm getting set to be able to go to like whatever oh, yeah. that next level is starting to get different levels of access starting to get garner different opportunities starting to work with um a different um type of person different people that have just resources to be able to use um so for me it's, it's the goals don't necessarily change the vision is just uh the vision stays the same, but as you get more contact and have more experience, you tweak it and you change it. But I'm chasing the same thing I was chasing five years ago. And I don't even know if I know exactly what that is. Yeah. But it's, again, like, it, it comes down to, um, you know, again, creating an environment or environments because my job allows for me to do the same type of work across the country. Yeah. It just has to come through the lens of, you know, sneaker boutique, retail, men's fashion, luxury. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, like, it just it's just, it's to create environments and to bridge gaps and create space for people who look like me and um, people who are into the things that I'm into too. Cause I think that's the next wave of it. It's like, it's a cultural thing. So you deal with, um, you know, you deal with the implicit biases of just interacting with people, but then like also there's this cultural barrier of like, and that's what really got me into it. It was more of a cultural thing than it was a race thing. Mm-hmm. Like I came home from school and was like, yo, like how come like, you know, every, like why can't we do any hip hop shows in uptown? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we got all these big-ass <laughs> venues, and, like, 
Like, why is it, why, you know what I'm saying? Like, why do I, why don't I, why am I from here, but I don't feel comfortable being in this space? Right. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, just starting to go down the rabbit hole of those questions has led right. me into, you know, getting into this type of work and really set the precedent for, like, building something like you House. So, um, it's awesome. yeah, man, it's Love just, that. it's, that's, that's just what the vision is, yeah. though. It's, it's, it's just continuing to bridge gaps and create space. Cool, man. Dude, thank you. That's all I, that's the only questions that I had. Dude. <laughs>